0: So glad you all are with us this morning as we worship, not only here on campus, but uh, online as well. And uh, we give God the praise this morning. Let's turn our hearts and minds to Him. Uh, Let's stand here in service.
1: the Ridge Church. So glad you're here. If you are a first-time guest, hopefully you grabbed a bulletin on the way in the door. If not, you can grab one just outside the door on the way out, but you can open that bulletin all the way up to the far right-hand side. See a little perforated strip that you can uh, fold and tear. It's a guest card. We would love to know that you're here. Uh, As a matter of fact, if you turn that in at the welcome desk just across the, the lobby, we'd love to exchange that for a gift. We just want to say thank you and appreciate so much you being here uh, with us this morning. Hey, I also want you to know today you'll be seeing your staff run around, some of us with these T-shirts on. The reason why is because next year, every time we have the privilege to baptize someone, instead of using the robes, I mean, if they still want to have a robe, we can do that, but they're starting to kind of get ragged and the zippers are coming out of them and whatnot. We're going to baptize them in this shirt which will also be a great memorabilia. They'll be able to take it home for, them, for themselves and be able to wear it around. It just simply says, I have decided. I think that'll help us engage in spiritual conversations. People hopefully will say, what have you decided? And we can begin to talk about Jesus. It'll be a great time. So we want to make that available, these shirts, as well, to our other church members and so, or, or people, guests, whatever, that are here. So you can also purchase one of these if you would like to as well. And there's a sign-up sheet just outside on the activities uh, counter. Uh, you can just simply put down your name. You'll see there. Uh, if you want to start doing that even today, we'll do this over the next uh, you know few weeks. There'll be ten dollars a piece. You can pay for them whenever you pick up the shirt. Uh, don't don't worry about that today, but just sign up so we can get the right uh, sizes. Um, I wear an extra large, and it's only because of my biceps. And uh, I also if I also Bob, I wasn't. I also have figured out my body type tells us that they'll work for a maternity top. Okay. So, it's a great shirt. So, I'm just saying, please buy it. It'll look better on you than it does on me. I know I'm not the one that ought to have modeling this shirt, but still, uh, if you'd like to have one of these, by all means, grab one. Hey, a couple other things. Exciting week ahead on Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, the 2nd of December. Gosh, say December. December. I just wanted to hear you guys say that too, okay? So, the 2nd of December, uh, we have a great group coming in called This Hope. As a matter of fact, check out this video.
2: Hey, this
3: is Micah with This Hope, and we want to tell all of the Ridge family that we're coming back to your church during our Christmas tour. We're going to be at your church on Wednesday night, December 2nd, so mark it on the calendar. Bring your whole family. Invite your friends. We'll see all of you in December.
1: These guys are incredibly gifted, and so they're all from Alaska by way of Woodstock, Georgia. They'll be here this Wednesday night here in the main auditorium. It'll be an incredible time, 630 uh, come out and be a part of that. This Saturday, this Saturday, our women's ministry is having an, an Advent brunch. So a great brunch, but along with that, they're going to be talking about the first coming of Christ, even reaching toward the next coming, the second coming of Christ. It'll be an incredible day. So all of our women, you are invited to come. Uh, if matter of fact, bring friends with you. But we'd love for you to sign up as well. Again, at the Activity Center, you'll see a sign-up sheet for that. One last thing, and that is we know that we have uh, you know, new guidelines now with masks, and we still want you all to know there's some freedom with that. And what we mean by that is we want to follow those guidelines. We want to be team players in that regard, by all means. But in the same breath, just as you're doing today, yeah, we'll wear a mask in, but once you get in and you're seated, if you are socially distanced from other people, you can take the mask off. You have the freedom to do that. If you want to continue to wear it, you have the freedom, of course, to do that. You just live by what you know you need to do. Even whenever we go into our small groups, our Sunday school classes, as long as there's enough room to social distance once we're inside, we have the freedom to be able to remove those. So we do want to follow those guidelines. We trust those guidelines. In no way, shape, or form are they saying don't share Jesus or anything like that. But, uh, but we do want to be team players for our community, extend that kind of love as we can. So just know you have freedom in the process of that. So excited you're here. We have an opportunity now to engage in worship, not only in song, but also in the preaching of God's word. Man, that is premier today. Amen to be able to really worship the one who is worthy. So let's pray together. Just ask God to prepare our hearts, and we'll begin to worship again in song. Let's pray. Father, again, we just thank you for our church family. Lord, I just love the unity and the love and just the graciousness of these people. And Lord, today, we come together after a Thanksgiving season, and we have the opportunity to to really worship from our heart. Lord, again, we say it all the time, and I believe these people live it far more than I do We can worship you every day and should. But there are special times that we come together as family and worship corporately. And Lord, what a sweet thing that is. And so, Father, right now, will you prepare our hearts, allow us just to slow down enough just to exhale and to really begin to think of who you are, to worship you, to worship you not only in song but in the hearing and doing of your word. Lord, we love you. God, we'll be careful to give you all the glory. We ask it all again in Jesus' name.
3: <sighs> dad? Does
2: anyone see my dad? Dad? Dad, Dad, you up there?
3: Be down in a minute, bud.
0: these scriptures together Here we go. the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death upon them a light has shined for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulder and his name will be called wonderful counselor mighty God everlasting father Prince of Peace so thankful for at Thanksgiving time, and even more goes into Christmas, is the love of God, the same love that uh, died on the cross for us, loves us still today. Went out of tune since last time. You choose the humble and raise them high. You choose the weak to make them strong. You heal our brokenness inside and give us life. The same love that set the captives
2: free. The same love that opened eyes to see. He's calling us all by name. It's all my name. The same God that spread the heavens wide. The same God that was crucified is calling us all my name.
0: God, so great. There was a phrase back long, long ago when the song was written that uh, said, "God rest you, Mary," which meant uh, hope things are joyful for you. Hope you have a great day, like we say now. God rest you, Mary. And we kind of confused it and uh, put the gentleman with the Mary, but it's not a married gentleman. It's God rest you, Mary, gentleman. So. uh, Anyway, as a freebie. Anyway, but he has come for us.
2: God rest ye merry gentlemen, that nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior. Christmas day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. He has come.
0: Coming again. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, Amen. 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 Well, good morning again. So glad you're here.
3: Uh, hopefully, you are uh, past the turkey coma. How many had too much turkey? How many is eaten too much turkey? How many are sick of turkey? I'm sick of turkey already. So done. You know. Um, Out of all the things that we could use as the main course for a holiday, turkey to me is probably the poorest one. I know uh, it works for economical reasons to feed a lot of people, but if you want to have a special dinner, how about a nice steak, right, instead of a dry turkey, right? No one wants that nasty bird. But hey, it's good, I guess. (laughs) So good morning again. Uh, I'm excited to share with you uh, this morning, as uh, we have so well uh, seen this morning already through worship, we are gearing up towards Christmas. And as I think about Christmas, I think about the greatest thing um, that was given to us at Christmas is that God gave himself. Um, And that's essentially what grace is is God giving him, him, him to us. And so this morning, uh, I want to just take some time to remind us about how amazing and wonderful and beautiful grace is. Um, and so hopefully you're ready to be reminded of some things. I doubt that you will hear something new today. Uh, In fact, most of the time when we do share, there's not a whole lot of new because Scripture is Scripture, right? It's just good to encourage us, remind us, and challenge us. Uh, But this morning, I really want to remind us about the beauty of God's grace. I think understanding grace is something that we have to work at every day of our life. I know that for me personally, I firmly believe it's going to take all of my life and then some into heaven uh, for me to plumb the fathoms of of the depth of God's grace. It says a diver going deeper and deeper and deeper into the waters. Grace, just, it just keeps going deeper and deeper. It is, it is a beautiful thing. So open your Bibles up with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Scripture teaches us in James, in fact, that he gives us greater grace. And so I want us to look at uh, just a reminder of grace and what God has given us in this great gift. So look at Ephesians chapter 2. Look at verse 1. It says this, it says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sin, in which you previously lived according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. And we were by nature children under wrath as the others were also. I want to stop there. This is leading up to a very familiar passage of Scripture. But for us to talk about the beauty, the amazement, the wonder of grace, uh, it is necessary for us to sometimes talk about some bad things first. Grace is only great because of how horrible we are. So the first thing that we have to see about grace is our great need. There is a need for grace we have a need for grace. Scripture says in Paul writing in Ephesians calls it our trespasses of sin. Notice he didn't say your occasional stumblings of sin. Or your little oopsies. Did you have oopsies? I had when I was growing up, my mom called it oopsies. You made an oopsies. I don't know what all that was. I just remember oopsies. It doesn't sound really good, but probably had a lot to do with diaper and uh, pottying in the bed at night. that was That's an oopsie. But there was oopsies, right? I don't know about you. I'm not going to put words in your mouth. But I sometimes look at my sin as, oh, it's just, a, I messed up. That's not what Scripture teaches. That's not what Paul is teaching here. I know, hey, good morning. Let's just get right out of the gate. We have a need for grace because of our sin. Paul says trespasses of sin. Our sin is not just a mistake. Our sin is outright rebellion to an almighty, sovereign God. It's important for us to see sin for what it really is. Sin is us raising our hand to God and saying, God, I'm in charge. God, I'm I'm going to do what I want to do, raising our fists to him and walking the other direction from him. It is rebellion to the great high king. And just like any rebellion, it deserves death. Paul says, we walked according to the ways of the enemy." In this passage, he says, we walked according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air. That's the enemy. That's the devil. We walked step in step with the devil. In fact, he says, we were his children. We lived by our fleshly desires and thoughts. And as a result of that, at the end of verse 3, he says this, we were by nature children under wrath. Not a wonderful word. Just a moment, we'll get there. Before we see grace, we need to see wrath. The greatness of God's grace is so great because of the greatness of the evil of our sin. The greatness of grace is so great because the wrath of God. Now, look at verse 4. But God. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love that he held for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses, you are saved by grace. He also raised us up with him and seed us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It is God's gift. We have to stop right there and just have a moment. Have a hallelujah moment because two of the best words in all of Scripture happens right there. It is essentially what grace is and two little words. But God. But God. That is essentially what grace is. But God we were over here Paul says over here in rebellion we were in sin we were in trespasses we were wicked our thoughts were evil we were in walking in line and step with the enemy but God comes as his son born of a virgin virgin lives obedient dies on a cross is raised again to take us rescue us from this domain of sin and evil and darkness and to deliver us to him in the kingdom of light into the kingdom of god but god those are the to me two of the greatest words in all of scripture because that is what was It looks at the past, at what was, and it looks to the future of what will be. But God, this is what he's done. It is a wonderful word that we should never get over the grace of God because of, but God. We should never get over the gospel. We we are forgiven. We are justified. Our guilt and our shame has been removed. A scandal of grace that God comes down and lives among us and then raises us up from our sin and Jesus becomes our advocate, silence the condemnation of the accuser, and then he comes to live inside of us. That's scandalous. It's beautiful. That's grace. Grace enables God to move from the role of judge in verses 1 through 3 to the role of father, in verses 4 through 11. He's now our Father who loves us, yes, disciplines us, but He's no longer a judge over us. This grace also enables us to be free to obey and free holy. This grace is the greatest gift of God uh, giving Himself to us, a Savior to remove our sin guilt, a King to give us a higher calling and purpose in life, and a Holy Spirit to give us the power to obey that calling. That is grace and we need to see our need for it for us to appreciate it. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get over grace. It's a bad place to be, and I need to be reminded of how far God has reached down to raise me up again. There's a great need for grace, but there's a power in grace. There's a power of grace. It says that he is the power to save us, he says, from sin, from wrath. We're no longer under the penalty of sin. We're no longer under the weight of God's wrath. Those of us who have followed Christ, we live a life no longer under the wrath of God, but under the love of God. He is continuously changing us and making us holy. But not only does he save us, he seats us. Look again at verse 6. He also raised us up with him and seated with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus. That is an analogy that Paul is using. He's looking back to the ascension where Jesus left this earth and is now seated on the right hand of the Father. He's using that analogy to say, hey... When you follow Christ because of grace, you're no longer under wrath. You're no longer a part of this world. You are now seated in the heavenlies with Him. And that is a seat of power, of influence. That is on the right hand of the Father and it is a very safe place. Our salvation, our grace is very safe because it is seated with him my righteousness is not my own righteousness my righteousness is not me doing stuff but him doing stuff in me because his right my righteousness is at the father's right hand and it's very very safe it empowers us it changes us it gives us a new position it then enables us to become trophies of God's grace. Look at verse 7. So then in the coming ages he might display the miserable riches of his grace through his kindness into Christ Jesus. It is, Paul is seemingly saying that in the future of heaven, God is going to have a showroom, so to speak. Like we would have a trophy room at a school when you walk in right into the tro- a school and they have all their trophies of all their championships. And this showroom is going to be you and me. We are his trophies of grace showing his victory at the cross of how he's changed us, transformed us into his likeness. We become trophies of his grace. Let us never get over this But this grace doesn't end at salvation. It doesn't even end at just making us holy. John Newton, who is the author of the song Amazing Grace in 1773, said, Grace has brought me safe this far. Grace will lead me home. There's a further power to the grace of God. See, it doesn't make sense that God would send his only son from heaven to die on a cross, that Jesus would die a wretched death on a cross all in grace for us, and then not give us everything through grace to sustain us here on this earth. Sometimes it looks bleak and it looks hard. Sometimes it looks dark out there. But it would make no sense for God to not be there with us in his grace. It doesn't make any sense. In fact, Paul agreed. He said this was illogical. In Romans eight thirty two, he said, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Paul is saying it would make no sense. It would make no sense that he would that he would not spare his son and then withhold back what is needed for us to be sustained in this life. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7, we're told about Paul understanding this sustaining grace. He says, So to keep me from being conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, A messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. And three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. So what we see is that Paul was struggling with something, and he goes to God three times God, take this away, take this away, take this away. Verse 9, it says, Though he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, Paul. I'm not taking it away, but I will give you the grace to get through it. I won't take the pain away, I'll give you the grace to have the strength to walk through it. For my power is made perfect in your weakness and your inability to handle this situation, Paul, and your inability to see what's going on and your inability to do this in your own strength. My grace will see you through it and I will be glorified. Two, Two of the many forms that we see grace take is saving grace. This saves us from our sin, but this, what Paul is calling sustaining grace. This is the grace that meets us at the point of our needs, equips us with courage, wisdom, strength to endure. This is what I call ongoing grace. Ongoing grace. We need to see, third this morning, the ongoing grace of God. Look back at Ephesians 1. Look at verse 3. It says this, Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. We'll come back to that. Verse 4, For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. He predestined us to, adopt, to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us in the beloved one. Two things there that we need to see. We are blessed with us. Every spiritual blessing and he has lavished on us. I love that word. He lavishes on us grace. Just when we think we've got all the grace that we can handle, he lavishly gives more grace. Just when we think that everything's going to dry up, he lavishly gives us more grace. This is ongoing grace. Grace doesn't end. It keeps coming. And when we desperately need it, it's, des- it's there in our desperation. And that's hard. See, I think it's fitting that after we finish the story of Job, we look at this ongoing grace. Because that's what Job experienced. It wasn't grace that completely delivered him. It was grace that sustained him. And that's sometimes the hard part of grace. Max Lucado says grace is simply another word for God's tumbling, rumbling reservoir of strength and protection. I love that, tumbling, rumbling reservoir. It shows that grace is aggressive. It's confrontational. It's like an ocean wave crashing across the beach. That's what grace does. And God, in his infinite wisdom, uses his grace to mold us, even in pain, because God does not waste pain. Sustaining grace comes in our pain, even in our hurt. Even in our sorrows, God wanted Paul to learn the sufficiency of his grace. To continue to lean on the Holy Spirit for his strengths. Because when difficult situations occur, we want to feel better. God wants us to glorify him in those circumstances. And so he gives us grace to be able to do that. We say, God, I want you to take this pain away. I want to feel better. And he says, no. But I will give you the strength to endure it. This is what God was teaching them in the Old Testament with manna. To constantly be dependent on him. We are constantly dependent on grace. He gives more grace when our burdens grow. Our labor increases. Our afflictions add. Our trials multiply. And when our endurance ends, there is more grace because his love has no limits, his grace has no measure, his, pow- his, his power has no boundary known unto men, for out of his res- riches Jesus giveth and giveth and giveth again. There's sufficient grace for every part of our lives. We are grace-dependent. We have to come to a place where we're dependent on our grace. And sometimes in our pain, sometimes in our sorrow, what he's teaching us to do is to stop closing up your fists, stop closing up your arms, but open your arms up, open your hands up and receive God's grace. Stop trying to do it in your own strength and your own power. We couldn't save ourselves. Guess what? I can't sustain myself. I can't do this on my own. I need God's grace. What is your great need this morning? Hear the Lord say, my grace is sufficient. It's sufficient. And sometimes it doesn't seem that way. But you need to be reminded you will never exhaust your supply of God's grace. It reminds me of the little boy who went to the, was at the ocean on the beach. He dug out a deep hole in the sand and then he went and tuck his sand bucket and he'd go to the ocean and he'd fill it up and then he would dump the water in the hole. Then he'd go back and fill it up and keep dumping it and just back and forth. And finally some uh, older man came up to him and said, son, what are you doing? He said, I'm going to drain the ocean. He said, Sir, young man, you can't do that. He said, well, I'm going to try. You can try to drain your supply of God's grace, but you'll never do it. It's like the ocean. And so we should then spread grace. What has been given to us, we should spread. Grace leads us from being just a recipient of grace to being a conduit of grace. What God has given us, we're to freely give. As Matthew 10, 8 says, freely you have received, freely you give. Verse 10 of chapter 2, back in Ephesians, he says, for we are his workmanship, created in christ jesus for good works which god prepared ahead of time for us to do in the context of grace paul reminds us that grace doesn't end with us we're created to do something spread grace augustine said for grace is given not because we have done good works but in order that we may be able to do them we need to spread grace But I get it. Sometimes it seems hard. It it, it, it is hard. It doesn't just seem hard. Sometimes we feel like God's got this eyedropper, right? And he's just kind of barely dropping grace over for us. But that's not the image of grace in Scripture. I love what the psalmist says in Psalms 23, verse 5, what David says. He says this. He was talking about God's grace. He was talking about God's goodness. He was talking about God's strength, God sustaining him in some hard times, right? Paul, David was in the middle of outright war with Saul, just about, and he writes these wor- words in Psalms 23 5. He says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. See, that's an interesting way to look at God's grace. Sometimes I'm convinced that what, the way most people view God is that he's up in heaven with this little eyedropper, and he's just dropping a little bit of grace. Oh, you have a little bit of struggle? Here's a little bit of grace. You got a little bit of pain? Here's a little bit of grace. You need some help getting through the day? Oh, here's just enough. You just, here's enough. But that's not the way God works. That's not the way Scripture teaches us. Scripture teaches us that He fills us up, not with an eyedropper, but He's just pouring His grace on me. But, you see, that's a half cup of water. This is a full cup. Like that, right, there's the brim. That's the brim. Like if you just barely drop another bit of water in there, that's over. That's a full cup. That would be enough, wouldn't it? Everyone loves a full cup. But that's not... It's not what David is telling us about God's goodness and his grace. Right? He's not teaching us that, he says, my cup is full. No. My cup overflows. He says, God, you've given me so much grace. My cup is overflowing. I'm in pain and I'm in hurt, but you're sustaining me. I don't, I can't do this on my own, but you're, sustaining me your grace even in the, my enemies are around me my cup overflows sometimes it doesn't seem like that sometimes it seems really dry but our cup overflows with his grace his goodness He just keeps giving us more and more. Now, I, I don't know how God exactly handles that, how he decides how much grace to give us, but I don't even think it looks like that. I think it might look a little more like this. He just keeps giving us more and more grace. You're like, I hurt. Okay, more grace. How am I going to handle this situation at work, grace? It's a good word. Now, have you ever looked at this verse and looked at it like this and went, That seems foolish. What good is an overflowing cup? I think this is where Paul was headed with this. You see, an overflowing cup is only good when you look at all the empty cups around you. And you take this overflowing cup and you fill up the empty cups and when you're empty, you know there's a reservoir of grace to fill you up so you can keep filling up all the cups around you. And no, you will never end up on, with none. You see, I think some of us are like, I don't feel God's grace. I don't, I'm not experiencing this grace that you're talking about. It's because we're not filling up any cups around us. We're just wasting the grace that God's given us. He wants us to fill up those around us because we've been blessed to bless. We've been given to give. The greatest thing that we can do in grace is to share the gospel with someone, It's what he's calling us to do. We go to those who are empty. In, math, in Mark chapter 5, there's this great story. It's my favorite story to, te- to teach little kids. It's of the demonic man. You know the story probably really well. Jesus and his disciples are crossing the boat. They get to the land, and as soon as they get to the land, this crazy man possessed with a demon comes running out of the cliffs. And everyone knows about him because he runs around naked. He cuts himself with s- stones. They've tried to chain him, but the demon is so strong he overpowers people. And when Jesus comes up, that demon sees and recognizes the authority of Jesus and comes screaming out at Jesus, and Jesus in that moment casts that demon out. And in that moment, that man who was crazy, insane, naked, hurting himself is stable, sane, whole, complete. But at the end of the story, something unique happens, something interesting happens, almost harsh Jesus and the disciples have to go back to where they were come. And the man wants to go. Wouldn't you? When you want to go with Jesus after he just healed you? when you want to go with this man who's just changed your life? And the man's like, I get the image that the man is like getting into the boat. And we come to verse 19, and this is what happens. It says, Jesus like sticks his hand out. It says, he did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. How much the Lord has done for you. Great grace, overflowing grace. There's people around us who need to hear, who need to be loved, who need their cups filled. The grace given, give grace. Grace doesn't refuse to forgive. It just pours out. Grace doesn't grumble or become hateful when others succeed. It just pours out. Grace doesn't get judgmental or bitter when sinners don't get their justice. It just pours out. Grace speaks truth, and it speaks it in love and from love. It just pours out. Grace sticks with lost causes. They're a lost cause. What are you doing? I just keep pouring out. I just keep pouring out. Grace doesn't walk away when things get hard. It just keeps pouring out. Grace has the courage and boldness to share the gospel. Grace has the desire to Love and just pour out. This morning, is your life marked by grace? Or have you forgotten grace, overlooked grace? Grace reminds us and leads us to worship. That's how great he's been for us. I'm going to ask you to stand and to, to bow your heads for just a moment. And as you do, I want to ask you, does it seem hard and dark right now? Does it, does it seem like it's dry? Or have you never really experienced the love of God because you're under the wrath of God? Hear what God has done for you. Just imagine every drip the grace of God literally poured out for you at the cross and maybe there's some around you who are dry maybe you should fill their cups today Father Lord we love you we praise you you are an amazing God who has amazingly loved us this morning. If there are those who have never followed you, they have never put their trust in you, they have the need for grace. They're under the wrath of God. Man, it might seem like it's just a, a minor thing, but in your eyes, there's no minor sin. Our sin separates us eternally from God, and they need you. God, would you give them the strength? Would you give them the courage this morning, right now, to take a step of faith and embrace grace and follow you? Maybe right where they're at, they can call out to you and follow you. Lord, if they don't know what to do or how to do it, Lord, let them come. Lord, they could come right now and sit on this front pew, and I'll talk with them. Our Lord, they can meet me in the back of the room at the end of service, and I will share with them. But, Lord, give them the courage to follow you. Lord, this morning there might be those of us in this room who are walking through some hard times, some times of doubt, some times of struggle, some time of pain. Lord, let them see how much they need grace. Let them go from arms closed to arms open wide to receive it. Would you teach them the dependency of your grace? that they can't do it on their own. They're not able to. Lord, you can't you don't save us because of what we do and you don't sustain us because of what we do. You do both through grace. So Father, Lord, if there are those who need to receive your grace this morning, Lord help them to see their need for that. Lord, we love you. And we Lord, I just ask that there would be those who would walk away from here today and they would go fill some empty cups to be filled again. Amen.
0: As we leave, let's sing this together. Amen.